Welcome to Ticket Bud Tidbits. In today's podcast, I talk to Mandy Thomas, Director of Strategic Partnerships at the Downtown Austin Alliance. Mandy's background includes roles in sales and corporate partnerships for venues operated by AEG Presents, one of the world's largest live music companies. Mandy's role at the Downtown Austin Alliance includes sponsorships, partnerships and business development. She manages events, programming and the operations of Republic Square, a park in Downtown Austin frequently used for events. In the episode, Mandy talks about what goes into managing a public park and event space. She gives an overview of the various elements such as business development, sales, fundraising, event planning and venue management, sharing insights on event programming, managing challenges and maximizing year-round use of the space. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Ticket by Tidbits podcast, Mandy. Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. You're joining us from the Downtown Austin Alliance, who are an organisation that aims to create, preserve and enhance Downtown Austin. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about the Alliance? Sure, the Downtown Austin Alliance is the Downtown Public Improvement District. And so we're charged with enhancing, improving and promoting all of the interests of downtown, which is protecting the vitality, proactively planning for the future. We are made up of downtown property owners within really a one-mile public improvement district. So we touch I-35 to the east, all the way to Republic Square on the west, the South Central Waterfront, and then up to MLK Avenue. So the, the programs that we're that the Downtown Alliance is involved in is, is we either lead, partner, or advocate on most of the issues that affect downtown. So we support initiatives around district planning, mobility, homelessness, parking, and other critical issues to the community downtown. One of our most visible projects is are the ambassadors that you'll see downtown. They're usually in the red shirts, say Downtown Austin Alliance. And so we're creating a clean, safe, and welcoming space in that area. Some of our major pillars of work revolve around welcoming places. How do you create and connect the public realm in that space? And how do you grow the neighborhoods and districts? So can you tell us a bit about your role as Director of Strategic Partnerships for the Austin Downtown Alliance? I wear a lot of hats for the Alliance, and and I say that my role is is part business development, part sales and fundraising, and then part event planning and venue manager. With the partnerships piece, I like to refer to myself almost as a puzzle puzzle master. How do we take the, the great relationships and the strong relationships that we have and work with everyone's expertise to help us further the vision of downtown? We want to maximize those partnerships and and work together as a community. And so the second piece is really the sponsorships and the sales and how do we create incremental revenue streams that support both the Downtown Alliance, the events that we're producing, and our newly formed Downtown Austin Alliance Foundation, which is charged with building the legacy of downtown. Um, And then there's the business development piece where I'm responsible for managing the team over Republic Square and working with the city on our agreement, leading the team in regards to operations, management, and programming. So it's a lot of different hats, but it it keeps me busy and it's, it's a lot of fun. That's lots of different things. So you mentioned obviously you work a lot on sponsorships. So um, can you give any advice to event organizers on securing sponsorships? 
Sure. One of the other pieces and that falls under the sponsorship piece is, is kind of this event planning role for, for the Downtown Austin Alliance. And, and we have two public-facing signature events that we celebrate each year, one of them being Austin's Birthday Bash that we launched last year. It's an annual event that's held at Republic Square. Um, the second one is Holiday Stroll, where we kick off the tree lighting downtown. And we've kind of started beginning selling sponsorships for both of those events. I came from Dallas to Austin where it was a very different environment in terms of sponsorships. There were, there were tons of arenas and venues and ways to get involved. And so sometimes in Dallas, it was easy just to slap a, a logo on something and call it a sponsorship. And what I've learned is Austinites are looking for a more authentic and engaging experience. So here, what I try to do is integrate the sponsorships into the programming, into the event itself to make it more meaningful. Austinites want to experience the brand. How do we you know, bring the brand to life in the event that we're doing and, and do it with purpose? And that helps the, the, the companies and the sponsors as well because it brings their, their brands to life. I've also had to learn really with, with sponsorships here that it's okay to say no. If it doesn't, if it's not in the integrity of the event and it doesn't help supplement the event in some way, it doesn't mean it. you have to make it fit. Yeah, if it doesn't add value, then Correct. it doesn't make sense. I like, the, I like the idea that it's more of a, you know, Austin's got this very community, uh, I don't know, big town vibe to it. And so I think that makes sense for the sponsorships to also sort of want to have that closer relationship and be more involved and not just, here's my logo, slap it on a fence. Austin is very much a big, small town. Yeah. And so it's, it's really, how do you make the companies that may be big tech companies and national brands feel like they're a small town business? Um, and and serve it to the consumers that way. And a lot of ad brands, are, you know, doing that all over the place now. They mm-hmm. want they realize they want to be more involved, and people want to engage with them more. So, okay. So a key part of your role is the management of Republic Square, um, a city park open to the community, and it's a prime location for downtown events. Can you tell us about the space, the different way it's utilized by the community, and what types of events that have been hosted there? Yes, Republic Square is is very unique to Austin. It was one of four historic downtown squares designated in our 1839 city plan that was designed by Edwin Waller. The original, so when Austin decided it was going to become a city, there was a city plan, a grid system drawn out, and that map included four historic squares, three of which are still downtown today. And then when they went to auction off the city plots, it all happened under the oak trees in in August of 1839 that are still standing at the park. So there's still that piece of history that's in Republic Square. The Downtown Austin Alliance worked very closely with the city, the Parks and Recreation Department, and Austin Parks Foundation for a decade, if not more, to renovate that park because of its historic significance to the city. And then in 2017, after an almost $5.9 million renovation, we reopened the park with the Downtown Austin Alliance managing it. So it's a very unique situation for, for Austin. It's the first public park that is managed through a public-private partnership with the city, which allows us to set forth a revenue model where we can rent out the space. A lot more flexibility than a lot of the other city parks um, in both the design and the way that we can coordinate events on a a different timeline than the city has. 
Can you describe the park like and the facilities that are there for if, like, someone who hasn't seen it? Sure. It's, we made a great lawn. It's, I like to say it's in the shape of a kidney bean almost, but it's, it's elevated. Before it was just a flat space. Um, there's a very gradual elevation. There's a market promenade that was built um, intentionally because we do host the um, Sustainable Food Center's farmer's market there every Saturday morning. So we've built a promenade where they can actually set up a market and host that farmer's market easier. There is a deck that sets underneath one of those historic trees that I talked about that has cafe seating. And there is now a small cafe space that will be opening later this year. We will have a cafe operator in there that will be serving everything from breakfast to lunch, um, beer and wine at night. We've signed a lease with Salt and Time Cafe um, to go into that space. So we're excited that now there's a city park that not only has a cafe running in the park, but now you know you can grab a drink and, and watch a movie in that space. So again, very unique to Austin and very exciting for us because it's, it's a different park than anything else that you'll see in the city. Nice, love it. Um, are there any uh, specific restrictions on the types of events held in the square or what people can do with the space? We, we're very flexible, a little bit more tolerant than some of the city-run parks. We're still subject to the special events ordinance. So we do go through the city process for special events. If certain trigger points are met and we, can, you know, we help kind of talk event producers through, you know, what that threshold is. We are restricted in, almost self-restricted in our management agreement with the city on the number of closed private ticketed events that we can do each year. And the, and the reason being is the goal of the park was to have a, an open space. We didn't want to fence it in and do, you know, weddings every single night. So weddings are off the table. But we're, you know, we do have an allotment of dates where we can do a private ticketed event. We just can't do those all of the time. It's just balanced. It's yeah. just a balance. Okay. So you look after events, programming, and operations at Republic Square. Can you tell us a bit more about the different elements of that role? There's a lot of elements to that role and a lot of things that I've had to learn in my role. The, the easy part is that, you know, we're a venue manager and so we're able to curate the programming that goes into that. And that's, that's really the fun piece where we're brainstorming with our partners downtown and, you know, what are authentic and unique ways to use this park. Obviously, yoga in the park in a movie series is, is much needed and well attended, but it's also something that every you can go into any park in the United States and do. So how can we use this space and come up with something that's a little bit more authentic in Austin? And we've worked with Austin Community College and um, they've conducted foreign language classes for kids of all ages. So from five to 50, you can learn a foreign language on a Saturday morning with Austin Community College. Um, we've worked with you know different events to, to how do you weave the culture into the park and the history of the city. Then on a venue management side, it's you know how do you take in that the rental applications determine what events makes make sense for the space, work with the producers on the event permits that they need and, and the best use of that space. And then there's this whole new element that is the operations of a park and learning how to take care of the grass 
so that if you pop an event up, it's not going to kill the grass immediately. And so working through the irrigation systems and the landscaping and, and the rest periods for grass, which is a whole new concept for me. Um, but grass needs rest and you can kill grass. And luckily I was the first one to kind of test that and burn it out. And so now I know what you can and can't do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. When you've got a lot of people and a lot of events going stuff, they're going to try and pull the grass. So can you talk a little bit about managing programming? You said you do try to balance the types of events, but what sort of events are you looking for? When we first opened the park, um, it was important for the Downtown Austin Alliance to sit down with some of the community stakeholders and outline really guiding principles. And we wrote those guiding principles into our agreement with the city. And what we, what we wanted Republic Square to be first and foremost was a people's park. We wanted it to be inclusive and welcoming space. How do you get a diverse audience group into the park and create this multicultural, collaborative, yet still spontaneous, you know, interaction downtown. And so a lot of the programming and the way that, that we balance it is, you know, we always want something that's family friendly. How do you do something that's open to everyone? And so we are very fortunate that we're able to partner with with some of the downtown organizations to produce those events such as as yoga we partner with mexicarte to bring that multicultural piece into it but also working with event producers to bring their events into that space that that kind of fill those those guiding principles and we've done that with event producers last year we had an event called taco libre it was a taco event but it had luce libre wrestling and going on at the same time and we recently partnered with a group out of new orleans to bring jazz to the park so we're able to work with event producers and and curate how are we going to do something that's going to benefit the community first and foremost Because it's a prime city location, I'm sure there's a lot of demand to use it, particularly in the warmer months. Do you have any key criteria that has to be met for events that are hosted there? Like you say, you don't do weddings, but is there other criteria people have to meet? There's there's not a lot. We don't have a lot of criteria. Again, we look at whether it fits into our guiding principles. I talked a little bit about how we're limited by our contract on, on the closure dates. We have a max number of 20 days per year that we can fence the park off and have a private, the full park and have a private event. So we're really looking to, you know, we balance it by supplementing some of the legacy events that have always happened at that park, such as the farmer's market. AIDS Walk has been in that park for a very long time. We also have Trail of Light shuttles and ACL shuttles leaving from that space. So we try to balance the older events with new events to create, you know, to, to kind of go with the demand of downtown and the people that are now in downtown. Yeah, and how it evolves. Yep. So what does the process event organizers need to go through to request to use the space? We have an application process. It's, uh, there's an application um, along with an event planning guide that, that goes through a lot of the frequently asked questions on our website, which is republicsquare.org. Typically after we receive the application, we schedule a phone call to, to talk through really the idea, the history, the site plan of your event to determine whether or not it, it will fit in the space, what permits are going to be required, and if there are any red flags from our end, you know, it gives us that opportunity to talk through it with the event producer to see if we can make any small adjustments before approving 
the date and putting the date on hold and approving the event application. If an event manager wants to secure a prime event space like Republic Square, uh, what sort of information should they include in an application to be successful? Like what could have, do they need to talk about success of past events? Because it's prime real estate as well, so they would sure. be competing against other event holders. I think it's a little bit of of all of that. It's, you know, the more comprehensive you can be in the application. So there's a lot of questions, more or less about the site plan. I always like to get on the phone with the event producer to understand, you know, why they want Republic Square, why that's important to them, what the history of the event is. Sometimes it's a new event and, and what are they trying to gain for it? I think that's where... The sponsorship sell side of me comes in is, you know, what questions do you ask to figure out whether or not it's a good fit and a good partnership um, and something that we want to happen in the park. So I think just the more comprehensive, you know, I like to ask what is the community benefit and, and why is this event important to you and, and why is this park the park of choice? So I think knowing and having those answers in advance definitely help. So what strategies do you implement to maximize year-round use of the square? We opened the park fall of 2017 and started programming the park really in May of last year. So we are now one year in. It seems like it's been a lot longer than that, but we're, you know, we're still working with the programming and the events. One of the things that, that we do know is that we have to build in that rest time um, into, the, into the grass and the lawn, and the rest is seasonal. So in the summer months where it's you know, really hot, blaring heat on the grass, there's more rest than it's needed in the fall or the spring when we're getting a ton of rain and um, you know, saturation and have really green grass. So that, that operation schedule helps us a lot. We know that we don't have to heavily program the park in the summer months. With that being said, we've also learned that Austinites are very heat tolerant and will come and stand outside in 100 degree heat and do yoga throughout the summer. So sometimes it's, it's just as simple as that, as partnering with a, a fitness program and doing fitness year round or they'll come out and sit and watch a movie in the middle of summer but what I learned in the winter is that they will not come out and sit in the park in December when it's cold and watch a movie so a lot right now it's a lot of trial by error figuring out when when in the season you can do things but but it's been very easy so far for us to actually program place events Austin's so event heavy that with you know south by in the spring and and everything else happening in october a lot of the event planners have gotten creative with the months that they're they're hosting and producing events so that's really helped us out a lot as well yeah yeah sounds like austinites are very much like uh, my hometown of adelaide which is austin's sister city oh. we're, we're all we're all about out and about in the summer and then come the colder months everyone hibernates yes <laughs> but no it's, we're not going out it's, it's... which makes sense back the same way <laughs> So what are some of the uh, key challenges of managing a public park and event space such as uh, Republic Square? I think weather is probably one of my big challenges um, and something that in my career I've never really had to think about. But we have had more rain and I've canceled more things or postponed and rescheduled more programming and events in the past month than we did in the past year. So really, you know, it's that where you you can choose to go indoors and you know that there's safety and security in that but in the park you know how do you convince an event planner to do something outside where you may have to be a little bit more flexible in the planning flexible in both 
the site design and and the option to tent and the inflexible and okay, let's put a rain date on hold at the same time. So I think the weather is probably the, the first one. The other one is that it is a public park first and foremost, and Austin is a very civic city. So we, we encourage organizations and we love that organizations want to gather outside and, you know, rally and support or against certain, um, certain issues that come up both state and nationwide. We sit next to a federal courthouse. So it becomes very, you know, this, this, this very flexible space in the sense of, of civic movement. And so sometimes, as you know, those, those events happen on, on a moment's notice and we have to be flexible enough to expect and anticipate hundreds of people in the park at any one time, but also, you know, trying to find out about those in advance and, and make sure that, that we don't have something conflicting going on in the space at the same time. And sometimes working with, you know, digging through Facebook to work with the organizers. And a lot of times, you know, they, they have the flexibility where they're working with us and, and it hasn't really been a problem. It's just something that we have to anticipate. And have to be aware of, yeah. So from your experience, do you have any top tips for event organizers, any advice that you can give? From my experience personally, I just think that, you know, don't be afraid to try new things and step out of your comfort zone. You know, I never thought that I would be managing a park and I've never thought twice about, you know, I just thought, oh, things happen in parks and that's how it happens. So there's been a lot of, of you know, a learning curve for me. And I think one of the things that helps is I came from a space where I'll try anything once. So I encourage people to, to kind of embrace that and things may not, especially outside in a park, your event's not going to go 100% perfect at any, really in, at any time in any I'm event. I'm not sure it does in any event. <laughs> but as long as you can, you're flexible enough to ride with that and, and embrace it and not stress about it. You know, I think that that, that event planning is has it's it's got a great reward to it and and for me it's that's always been what pushes me is you know when you open the doors or when you know the stage lights come on at a concert you know the reaction that you get from the public is the reward so particularly with the park the reward is seeing people use it and, and come together so don't be afraid try new things yeah you might have covered this but i was going to ask about if you've been given any great advice at the start of your career I think it's kind of along the same lines. I I didn't start in in the concert industry. I, I honestly started in nonprofit or for-profit education. And I was really drawn towards events and that's what I wanted to do. And I, you know, had people encouraging me throughout the throughout my journey and, and telling me, you know, as long as you're flexible and 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 open to new experiences then you things will happen and and they have i went from concerts into a nonprofit downtown organization which seems like a major you know step away from from what i was doing and at the time i i honestly thought that i was stepping away from the events world and needed that for a minute but you know it's all come back full circle and and it's because i was open to those Different possibilities. Different yeah. possibilities and, and embrace them when they did come up. So really, you know, challenge yourself, be open to the possibility and and be confident in your knowledge and your expertise in something and do what you feel is right. 
and, and it'll, I, I'm confident in that it leads you on the right path. I think if you, um, you know, know your skill set and your experience, even if it's an area you haven't worked in before, like it translates. Absolutely. So, so can you, we'll finish off with, can you tell us about a great event you've attended? And this question is so hard for me because I've, I've really been fortunate enough to, you know, I've, I've been in the events business now for almost 20 years. So I've attended the good, the bad, the ugly, That's I mean, why everything. That's I like asking people on this podcast it's, that question. <laughs> it's, and, and of course, coming from it, from an event producer, you probably get this a lot. It's, I walk into events with a different a different set of eyes than even my fiance walks into an event because he goes and he's like, oh, this is so great. And I'm like, oh, they did this wrong or how could they do that different? So logistically, it's it's it becomes difficult for me. But, you know, some of the events that I look back on and that were the most memorable to, to me, whether it was a concert or whether, you know, it was a festival, are really the ones where you could experience it. You know, we go to a festival, a music festival every year in California, and it's really because it's a more intimate festival. It's on the beach. It's more experiential. Um, their sponsorships are more integrated, so it's it's done in a meaningful way. I went to an event last year that was part of a bigger downtown art and cultural event, but there was a secret, like it was called Hidden Walls, and so there was a secret kind of underground art scene where it was really, you know, different artists paired together on either side of a wall, and they were competing in a length of time to see who could come up with the best mural. So it's really the things that help you experience a city that aren't necessarily about the production, but it's more about the authenticity of it. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for chatting with us on the podcast today, Mandy. Sure, thank you. you. Until next time, this was Ticket Bud Tidbits.